anyways, ever since the Hollywood wizard left, I can't find my wallet. I think he fucking took my wallet. You know what? I tried to keep a pretty close eye on him, but he did give me his robe, and I did have to put it over my head, and you were still busy peeing in that bed over there. Yeah, you meet one person on the bus that claims to be a wizard. That must have been when he did it. When he did, done did it. Yeah, well, I have no identification. Who are you anymore? I'm even? no one. I am literally no one. When you lose your ID, does that mean the government also loses track of you? And just... God, if only it were that simple. Yeah, I can go off the grid, but I can't because I tattooed a grid on my feet oh, dang <laughs> like it. a fool. Ah, oh, shit. Well, and, th and then on your other foot, you stepped in a waffle iron, and that's really just helping nobody. Yeah. So this is Media Majors. Apparently, it's a podcast where we talk about my poor foot binding skills. Oh, dang. Dang it, bud. You, you might as well just cut them off. I guarantee you they got gangrene. Uh, if you live in Los Angeles and you see a wizard, <laughs> he has my wallet. So what do we do on this podcast, Tom? On this podcast, you and I... I being Tom Lockney and you being Liam no one. Senior. I'm no one. I have nothing. Tell each other true stories from our... Uh, I've been making them up. What? Uh, oh, damn it. Ah, oh, beans. Ah, oh, shucks. Ah, oh, chickpeas. <laughs> we, may, we tell each other true stories from our preferred mediums. I really like uh, video games and internet culture. Show business. This is my business. It, it sure is. Um, and and business is terrible. It's, it's business, gross. It's been, it's, yeah, it's been a bad week. It's been a very bad week. Our, and every our week, dog is loudly whining. Yeah, every week we center these stories around a theme. And this week the theme was criticism. That's what the theme was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, boy, I couldn't remember the theme he uh, suggested. All right. Tom's going first. I'm going second. I don't know, so I'm third baseball. Stephen Miller was a young conservative attending Santa Monica High School. On the experience of being a young conservative whose views were represented and enacted at the highest levels of government, he had this to say. I look like a baby even though I'm a man. Quote, these challenges were some of the toughest I faced in life. When we think of nonconformity, we tend to imagine kids in the 60s, rebelling against the system. This was my system. My establishment was a dogmatic educational system that often uniformly expressed a single point of view. I would imagine that that point of view uh, was Be empathy. Nice. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> the, probably the imperfect empathy of liberalism, but, yeah. you know, better than uh, active white supremacy. Which not if you're Stephen Miller. Should, yeah, yeah. Stephen Miller is a white supremacist. Would like to just establish that right off he's the a, bat. He's a white supremacist who looks like he sold some of his own genes, and, not the pants. <laughs> like genetically got rid of some genes. And and if you doubt uh, his status as a white supremacist, one, you're a fucking dupe. You're an idiot. You fucking fool. And two, listen, because I'm gonna get to that. Stephen Miller looks like the. Uh, the wimpiest version of those like white humanoids in Prometheus. Stephen Miller was so oppressed that he went to Duke University where he met one Richard Spencer, open white nationalist. The two worked together to fund and promote an immigration policy, scare quotes, debate. And according to Spencer, had an extremely close relationship. Spencer considered the man to Hello. in fact be a mentor 
Meaning that's that a lot of what Richard Spencer got were his, kisses. His specifically, specifically, a lot of his white nationalist ideas came from white nationalist <laughs> Stephen Miller. There you go. Stephen Miller looks like if he slammed both of the Sonic drive-through guys together into the fly machine. Damn it! I'm gonna get you with one of these. Oh, I'm just so. Sad. I'm gonna get you. Miller has since said that the relationship uh, did not, or that he. Okay, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Miller has said that the relationship existed, that it wasn't really a relationship, and that it actually didn't exist. He's completely changed his story as he's risen to fame. Initially, uh, when it came to light, he said, "Oh, you know what? I'm glad that nobody's really talking about it because I'm on the Trump campaign." Um, and then that has since evolved to be, oh, I actually don't associate with Richard Spencer. I doubt um, that he has distanced himself because Richard Spencer is a white nationalist, but he is because uh, Richard Spencer is a failed white nationalist. He gets kicked out of conservative things because he is such an ass clown. <laughs> he got punched in the face. Yeah, he really did. When this, he said the word meme and got punched in the face. He sure did. Pocket full of sunshine. Once again, Miller was so oppressed that he immediately found his way into government where, you know, who is and is not oppressed is decided. Working for Michelle Bachman, noted supporter wow. and member of the proto-alt-right fascist movement, the Tea Party. Michelle Bachman is one of the dumbest individuals I've heard speak on the television. As with Duke, his primary focus was immigration law because he hates everyone who is not white. And this focus... And Christian. Yeah. And this focus would hold fast to the present day where this terribly oppressed man acts as senior advisor to the President of the United States, Donald Trump. What a poor oppressed little baby. Stephen Miller looks like the first attempt at a scarecrow. You know Mob Psycho 100 when the bully gets his hair shaved off? Stephen That's Miller. what Stephen Miller looks like. The concentration camps littering the U.S. currently are the result of his policy pushes. Of course, every member of that fascist cabinet is equally guilty, but just because Mike Pence's focus is on ultimately hanging gay people doesn't mean that he's not a supporter of violent racist immigration laws. It's just, you know, each of these guys really have their own focus. Mike Pence wants gay people to die, and Stephen Miller would prefer that uh, people of color died first. The... Uh, there, it's like a. Um, how do you, how do you describe such a pantheon? You know, like it's it's like it, it, you know what? That's how you, it's like a pantheon. A pantheon of of, of awful. Yeah, it's a pantheon of Stephen Miller is is truly Paimon, the eighth king of hell and yeah. of the West. That's a joke, not for you. No, I got it. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh yeah. By the time of this recording, um, Trump, uh walked back his own law to separate children from their families it's, although i'm sure Democrat i'm sure it's still going to continue because the well the law didn't get passed uh the dhs has not received any new orders as to what to do with those kids or whether or not to reunite them with their families the damage has been done uh and also we're still having concentration camps with families together and if you think that that's even a little bit uh, better or worth going oh we won then go fuck yourself and we're read a little bit of something called Europe in the 40s. Yeah, normally, uh, yeah, this is not a, sorry, sorry everybody, this is not a fun episode, but I don't think this gets to be fun because there are bigger fish to fry than our jerk-off jokes.
While other public figures were subject to protest uh, uh, in response to their fascist policy, Stephen Miller was noti notably absent uh, in response. Splinter, a uh, news outlet, posted his personal phone number now circulated around the internet. It's down, unfortunately. 202-881-8641. Oh, I'm sorry, Tom, give you that one more time. I don't think I was listening. 202-881-8641. He's he's probably has a different number. I know it, it was shut down. This happened yesterday, mm -hmm. uh, and yesterday being uh, Wednesday, the twentieth of June, uh, and by four p.m. Uh, DC time, his phone line was cut off. So who knows if he changed it? We were gonna call it, but, but like, what would have that? What would that have accomplished? I, you know what? We would have screamed at him and told him to go fuck himself. And actually, I'm glad you asked that question because I'm about to answer exactly what this was well, going to accomplish. I was going to say that he kind of looks like if you miscook a sausage and the top part like <laughs> explodes, but it's still bulbous for some reason. He looks like a fetus that skipped every other part of development and somehow went straight to adult. Uh, I actually saw a high school photo of him, and uh, he, he looks like that... Uh, uh, girls love bad boys. Vine, what's up, bitch? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, he yeah. looks like that guy. Uh, he looks like someone who. But like he sells more weed. I was about to say he looks like someone who sells fake ecstasy to teenagers. Yeah. Another Vine. So let's talk about this phone number thing. This is a dox. What Splinter did was a dox. For those who don't know, doxing is internet is an internet practice where somebody discovers personal information about an individual, such as a cell phone number or an address, and posts it online with the intent to direct other individuals into invading the target's life. For a long time, this has been considered a dirty tactic, a no-no, a rule of the internet that should remain unbroken. This has been widely accepted by mostly everyone, but I think we should kind of interrogate this, because here's the thing. And I and and just to just to cover us here, I'd like to I'd like to just say that I'm not encouraging anybody to dox anybody. I'm just trying to talk about where the 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 uh, across the board dogmatic rejection of the dox comes from, and and why it holds fast, and why some people are re-examining. Uh, the steadfast anti-dox policy. Stephen Miller's forehead is the size of Topeka. A lot of people didn't really know what a dox was, uh, like in, in like outside of internet culture even. Until... Tom, do you know what um, updox is? I'm gonna fucking fight you. <laughs> not much, what's up with you? They did not know what a dox was until it became a primary talking point during Gamergate. In fact, it was during Gamergate that each of the perennial both sides nailed down their internal ethos when it came to doxing. For the Gamergaters, the crypto-fascists, this was fair game. Doxing was on the table and it happened to nearly, actually, it happened to basically every single woman who spoke up in Gamergate. Also, lest we forget, this happened very intentionally to trans people, but thanks to opportunistic uh, progressives like Randy Harper, uh, trans folks have been largely erased from that narrative. We forget how much centrists dominated the Gamergate discourse, uh, how much those were the people with major platforms who were really the ones taking a stand. Uh, Gamer, uh, Game Informer, one of the top 10 most subscribed to magazines in the world, 
uh, has more subscribers than Time Magazine, very infamously penned. A, uh, the uh, the editor-in-chief, Andy McNamara, very famously penned an op-ed being, saying, uh, we support women, we do not support harassment, uh, specifically saying that, oh, there are people on both sides who are the problem here. When really, the I mean, like, there is a difference. There is a 100% difference between Milo Yiannopoulos getting his docs put out there and somebody like Zoe Quinn, target of harassment, not not like an instigator in any in, in literally any sense of the word or any regard. And and by the way, swap out Zoe Quinn for for uh, any any, other... any number of of people targeted by Gamergate. There is there is a vast differential also. Uh, something that emerged in Gamergate, and this is not like specific to doxing, but a, a major tactic from the right. Uh, is, and you see this a lot in, in civility discourse and like civility fetishism is uh, the right kind of over over-representing quote-unquote attacks on them. So uh, very recently, a uh, journalist outed the name of a very popular uh, Twitter account, extremely racist, Amy Ken, I think it was, uh, very well known for posting anti-Muslim uh, propaganda, well-liked by Donald Trump, has an extremely large platform and voice, and a journalist found out who she was and posted her name. That's not a dox. That's, that's not a dox. Um, if he had posted her cell phone number, or her address, that would have been a dox. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but it was not. However, a major talking point from a lot of people on the right was, oh, this journalist posted her dox. This happened a lot during Gamergate as well, was uh, uh, Gamergaters saying, oh, uh, but look at, but look at, quote unquote, like anti-GG, uh, they've posted all these doxes when in fact all they've done was say hey this person name is a gamer gator they believe this this and that yeah these things are true they did not post home addresses and also while people like milo yiannopoulos got doxed specifically as it relates to stephen miller i have a theory as to why the right has so steadfastly adhered to don't but but if you don't dox anybody, don't dox. You see this a lot too, is after somebody on the left has been doxed or, or somebody who, who does not align with the right has been doxed. These fucking fascists go, oh, this, is, this was wrong. This person's bad, but you shouldn't dox. And then we'll like link to content where their opposition has been doxed. Um, the, the reason I think that they fear the dox so much and why they really what what separates it from typical uh, civility discourse, where, which we just saw with like Samantha B, and have seen countless other times, is that the docs actually holds a lot of power that they can't control and that they can't combat. They don't have the institutional power yet to police doxes. They, people like Stephen Miller, can hide behind the veneer of being a person in power who has private information that is not as readily available as somebody's private information as you or me. The docs 
can, I think, actually uh, serve as a tool to level the playing field of power between uh, people like you or me, randos walking the streets, and incredibly powerful, protected members of government who use their position to inflict uh, extraordinary levels of violence onto entire peoples and nations. That's why they fear this, and that's why people like Jack on Twitter, who runs Twitter, uh, or, or Medium, or any number of other uh, uh, tech outlets, GitHub, uh, took down a bunch of lists about people who serve ICE. Uh, they Twitter uh, soft uh, banned several journalists and accounts for retweeting Stephen Miller's phone number. And the reason that they're doing that, the docs holds power and can do something, again, to level the playing field between people who do not have power and people who do. Stephen Miller looks like a shaved gargoyle. He sure does. He looks like a he looks like a hairy clove of garlic. He looks like the weakest vampire. An anemic little vampire. He really baby. does, doesn't he? Sorry, sorry everybody. We got but, real there for a sec. Yeah. Sorry, like just like I don't know. We talk about current events on this show one time and I can't think of a more important current event than the fact that there are concentration camps in America right now and nobody gives a shit. Oh, okay, people do, people do care. People give a shit, uh, just not the people in power. There you go. So we're going to take a break, let you mull on that, yeah. while we'll hear about a show on the network, and when we come back, something completely different. Back in history class, did you ever take a step back from that textbook you were reading and just think to yourself, man, these people are very dumb. Hi, my name is Eric McAdams, and I have a podcast for you. It's called Big Time Whoopsies, and every other Wednesday on the Major Cast Network, I tell a guest, and you the listener, a story from history involving massive incompetence. Big Time Whoopsies. People are dumb, and history can prove it. Hey. What's up? Forget about it. I'm walking over here. Hey. hey. John Joseph Goatee Jr. was born October 27, 1940. He was an Italian-American gangster, became the boss of a Gambino crime family in New York City. Gotti and his brother, Gotti? Gotti. John Gotti? John Gotti. Yeah, it's John Gotti. Gotti and his brother grew up in poverty and turned to a life of crime at an early age. Gotti quickly rose to prominence, becoming one of the crime family's biggest earners and a protege of Gambino family underboss Aniello Adela Croce, operating out of the Ozone Park neighborhood of Queens. Early in his crime career, following the FBI's indictment of members of uh, Gotti's crew for selling narcotics, Gotti began to fear that he and his brother would be killed by Gambino boss Paul Castellano for selling drugs. As his fear continued to grow, and amidst growing dissent over the leadership of the crime family, Gotti organized the murder of Castellano in December 1985 and took over the family shortly thereafter, leaving Gotti as the boss of the most powerful, richest, and largest crime syndicate in the world, one that made a bunch of money out of doing tons of crime. I believe that's how it works. That's how it works. 
crime people say crime doesn't pay it, it extremely it pays disagree i feel like crime doesn't pay for like the 10 percent percent of uh, white people who get caught and crime doesn't pay for any people of color yeah Gotti became known as the Dapper Don for his expensive clothes and personality in front of news cameras. He was later given the nickname the Teflon Don after three high-profile trials in the 80s resulted in his acquittal, though it was later revealed that the trials had been tainted by jury tampering, jury misconduct, and witness intimidation. Well, and also, listen, like, I've seen the jinx where a man in a courtroom goes, yeah, I I, I killed a guy. And I then cut off a guy's head in self-defense. And then I sawed off all of his limbs in self-defense, and they went, you know what? I think I think he's innocent of murder. God bless the Italian mafia. Gotti's underboss, Salvatore Sammy the Bull Gravano. Yeah, man, they all got such good names, don't they? Is credited with the FBI success in finally convicting Gotti. In 91, Gravano agreed to turn state's evidence and testify for the prosecution against Gotti after hearing the boss making several disparaging remarks about Gravano on a wiretap that, implica that implicated them both in several murders. So basically they were like, hey, your friend doesn't like you. <laughs> But I'm Sammy the Bull. Everybody likes Sammy the Bull. Just don't put me in a china shop. <laughs> oh, please don't put Sammy the Bull in a china shop. Ugh. He has a china addiction. In 1992, Gotti was convicted of five murders, conspiracy to commit murder, racketeering, obstruction of justice, tax evasion, illegal gambling, extortion, and loan sharking. Sentenced to life in prison without parole. He died of throat cancer in 2002. And according... To former Lachesi crime family boss Anthony Gaspipe Casso, God bless the <laughs> Italian mafia. John Gotti. What John Gotti did was the beginning of the end of La Cosa Nostra. Uh, before we go any further, I didn't realize that there was someone in this named Anthony Gaspipe Casso. Oh Let's God. ruminate on this for maybe the rest of the podcast. Like I think I just don't finish the story. What would What would your Italian mob? name be probably liam the old man senior i was gonna say liam junior senior i think it'll be the old man because i don't think the like there's no joke in junior senior that's true there's no good like nickname out of that i think mine would be tom uh lockjaw lockney Ooh, that's good yeah or it would be tom get the fuck out of here you're you irish catholic bastard we used to <laughs> work with right. you lockney yep i think that might be the one yeah that... how did how did our friend Tony Casso get the name Gaspipe? How did he get the name Gaspipe, Liam? Is it? I, I don't know. Is, is it, it, is it huge penis? That's what I'm thinking, right? Oh, you know what? He has a Wikipedia page, so All we're right. gonna live Google this. This is a live Google. How much will make it into the podcast? Probably none. Probably some. Nobody will know but me because I'm editing this week, doing a song. You could sing along, but that would be weird because I'm making it up. Yeah, it's very difficult for me. Did you know that it's difficult to sing along to songs that are improvisational and don't actually have a melody? I would disagree because I've seen <laughs> improvised musicals. That's true. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it either. <sighs> God damn it. Over the years, there have been various stories of how Casso got the nickname Gaspipe. Even though he detested the nickname, it stuck to Casso for life, and though few would say it to his face, he allowed some close friends to call him Gas. 
God fucking bless the Italian mafia, but why it does a, not say... Why have a nickname if you're not going to use it? It does not say uh, how he got the name Gas Pipe. I guess he beat people over the head with a gas pipe. Or maybe he was... Or maybe he was a, yeah, or maybe he was a regular gas pipe, and that's why he didn't let anybody call him that, because he was, he was on such a hair trigger. Boy, we, were, we sure did go on a little tangent adventure. Yeah, have fun did. with that one, Liam. <laughs> and now future Liam is going, oh, God fucking damn it, Liam. All right. Following his conviction, Gotti himself has been portrayed in four movies for TV and two movies for the big TV, a.k.a. the theater. The theater, the silver screen. There was Getting Gotti in 1994 CBS TV movie where he's portrayed by Anthony John Dennison. There is Gotti, a 1996 HBO TV movie starring Armand Santi. There's Witness to the Mob, 1998 NBC miniseries portrayed by Tom Sizemore. Oh, will oh. we one day talk about Tom Sizemore? And of course, everybody's favorite, Something's Gotta Give. Oh, Something's Gotta Give. Something's Gotta Give. Oh, boy. Wow. Don't know what it has to do with Tom Sizemore. I was talking about how he was married to Hollywood madam Heidi Fleiss. And then they both appeared on Celebrity Rehab together. Wow. We'll talk about it. But, like... Right? Nuts. Uh, Boss of Bosses, a 2001 TNT movie where he was portrayed by Sonny Marinelli. Sinatra Club. I have no idea. There was no page for it. It was portrayed by Danny Nucci. And Gotti, 2018 theatrical film where he was portrayed by McGann Sandy, John Travolta. And the last movie came out pretty recently. In September 2010, Fior Films announced that it had secured the rights from John Gotti's son, John Gotti Jr., to produce a movie about John Gotti's life. The film, tentatively titled Gotti, In the Shadow of My Father, was to be directed by Barry Levinson, who eventually left the project. Uh, Nick Cassavetes and Joe Johnson were also attached at different points to direct, while Al Pacino, Lindsay Lohan, and Ben Foster were at different points set to star. Uh, Joe Pesci was cast as somebody... Oh, this yeah, is but great. Joe Pesci's cast in every movie. You can't. He was cast as somebody named Ange- uh, An- Angelo Ruggiero. I don't. I don't know who that is. But he was then recast as our good friend Anthony Casso. But after they recast him to that, he sued the production company. Case was settled out of court. Chas Palminteri was set to play Castellano. Um... Oh, sorry, sorry. Chas Palminteri, who had played Paul Castellano, because Hollywood only knows how to remake different things mm-hmm. over and over again. He was up for a role. Uh, Kevin Connolly was eventually chosen to direct. Who's Kevin Connolly? He's Eve from Entourage. Oh, oh. Yeah. The one uh, the one whose arm got broken in the movie, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. No, that's Turtle. That's Turtle. E from Entourage was the redhead one who was part of Leo's oh, Pussy Posse. yeah. Man, it's fucking weird that Leo had a... Pussy Posse. Had a group and they called it the Pussy Posse and we all didn't immediately go, shut the fuck up. Uh, Kevin Connolly has directed some things before, but nothing good. Uh, Gotti was not screened in advance for critics, but its premiere at Cannes Film Festival was attended by reviewers from the IndieWire and the Hollywood Reporter, who both panned it. Rotten Tomatoes gave the film a zero, based on 28 reviews. The site's critical consensus read, forget about it. <laughs> it is the fourth movie in John Travolta's career to get a zero on Rotten Tomatoes after Staying Alive, Look Who's Talking To, and Bo. Uh... But, but the audience score on the Rotten Tomatoes meter doesn't add up. Uh, the movie's marketing team started to rail against troll critics who lambasted the film and used Rotten Tomatoes audience rating to justify the claim that audiences loved Gotti, the 
rating was like in the 70s but the like critical rating was a zero mm-hmm. uh so as reported by mashable uh dan merle of screen junkies and even some commenters from various websites it would appear that uh rotten tomatoes might have inflated the audience score Interesting. Rotten Tomatoes was quick to nip any conspiracies in the bud, of course. They told Mashable that all reviews for Gotti were made by real users. But the numbers just don't add up. The film only opened to five hundred theaters, but at the time of the writing of uh, but at the time of like when I did all the research and got this quote from this article, mm-hmm. uh, over seven thousand people had have rated the movie. Compare that to Ocean's Eight and Incredibles Two, which had a super wide release and garnered approximately four thousand eight hundred and seven thousand eight hundred oh, audience weird. reviews. Like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Okay, that's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, everybody, it, everybody's always like, "Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes wants movies to fail," and like, no, of course they don't. They want movies to do well because then movies will keep getting made, people will keep seeing them, people will keep using their service. So then there's Movie Pass. MoviePass was the dumbest idea that oh my God. someone did because they're dumb, where they basically decided to buy everybody's movie tickets. Why? How do you make money from that? You you don't. Exactly. But what you can do is invest in movies. Mm-hmm. What? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so we're, okay, so we're, we, okay, so we've got a pile of money. That's for the tickets. We've got a pile of money that we're just going to set on fire. And then we've got another pile of money. And then we're going to give it to movies to get made. How much money are we making? None. None. We're making $10 from people monthly. Tickets are 17 People can watch movies with MoviePass once a week. Right? That's how it is now. I had the older version, so I don't even know. Oh, my God. How? MoviePass, the movie ticket subscription service, invested in Gotti earlier this year, and they haven't been shy about promoting the film to their customers. They even sent out a push notification that echoed the anti-critic sentiment of the Gotti marketing campaign. Critics hate this, but you're going to love it. They would send alerts promoting Gotti to users' phones. Additionally, a Reddit user named Wonder3 took a minute to investigate some of these five-star reviews and found that out of a sample of 45, 32 have only reviewed Gotti. 10 reviewed Gotti. Amazing. In another movie, seven times it was American Animals, uh, another movie that had kind of been panned, and three had more than three reviews. And it's all it's all your grandparents. It's all your extremely old grandparents going to see Gotti. It's your, it's your, hey, hey, it's your dad. It's your old dad who's maybe in his 50s right now. All loves those mafia movies on TNT. Movie Pass owns a stake in American Animals as well. Mm-hmm. I see. And a lot of those accounts only reviewed two movies. Oh, Marcia. Gotti and American Animals. Oh, Marsha, let me tell you something. I got to see Gotti with my movie pass. It was extraordinary. Movie Pass was responsible for 40% of all tickets for those movies sold. That's amazing. So it seems like MoviePass is trying to somehow... To force people to see shitty movies, to recoup their bad investment from their even worse idea. So this is all I have so far. Oh, that's so good. I think it's safe to say that John Gotti would be pretty proud of all this. It's amazing that in response to scamming themselves, MoviePass was like, let's just scam everybody else. So I'll do some media miners here and there if the story updates as it will. Uh, Speaking of updates... 
There are some other stories that had small updates that I just wanted to quickly do. Oh, yeah? You want to rapid fire? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roseanne got canceled. The reboot got canceled. And now the, some like a revival without her is somehow going on. So no that's Zan. garbage. No, no Zan. Zan. Um, Allison Mack from a Nixfin got arrest, arrest, arrested. Arrested, yeah. Rex, um, and is probably going to go to jail. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, let's see. Oh, the Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, about the Sharon Tate murders, is still going forward for some reason. Good God. Uh, noted abuser Emil Hirsch is playing Jay Sebring. So that Man, I'm sucks. shocked. I'm shocked that a known abusive director would bring another abuser uh, into his film. Um, I think that's it. I don't remember if there was any more. I think that's all of them. I'm done. Okay. Well, on this podcast, yo, shit sucks. Shit fucking is not good. No, it's really it's bad. It's really bad. Do you remember when we were like, man, it's. Do you remember the post-election episode we did? I remember where we that. Were like, I remember. Oh, God. I remember when we first moved out here and Charlottesville had just happened. Yep. And like, oh uh, yeah, uh, the people who organized the unite the right. Hey, here's somebody who might uh, maybe should hear from the public about the rally that they're going to be having is the Unite the Right people are holding another one on the anniversary of uh, the Charlottesville protest, but in Washington, D.C. Uh, hey, like, I was at the J-20 protests. I overheard FBI people uh, talking about the police cracking down on protesters before it happened. I was there when it started. Uh, and the police just kind of decided to go do it. There was there was no uh, inciting incident. The police just threw tear gas because it was time for them to start the kettle. Uh, and that's going to happen in D.C., but way worse because there's going to be... A counter-protest to this. Fascists and, anti, and Antifa uh, activists, and the fascists are going to have guns and the, the literal fucking uh, feds in the Capitol on their side, and it's going to be terrible. Anyways, so, so yeah, everything gets worse, and we try to balance that out with the self-care corner where we talk about, like, a good thing, so that way we can end on a somewhat positive note. Did you got anything, Liam? I saw Flying Lotus on Sunday. I'm wearing the t-shirt. He did nice. a 3D show. It was in the third dimension. It's oh, fucking great. That's rad as hell. Didn't play any Captain Murphy, but he did show the name Captain Murphy, and he, he... come on, Steve. Uh, I got a since I got a job, I got enough money to buy a video game, and I bought myself Vampire, or as I, I like to call it, Vampire. No one else likes that. Uh, oh yeah, but it's just for me. Um, and it's all right, but it's it's even though it's like a very mediocre game, it's very nice to be able to play a AAA video game, again, and a new one, at that. All right. Like, subscribe, write reviews on iTunes, check out shows on the network, email us. MediaMajorsPodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on the Twitters. MediaMajorsCast at MediaMajorsCast. Our individual Twitters are in the bio. Yeah, well, check the new plug section on the website, which has everybody's stuff. At MajorCastsNetwork.com. Check out the new revamped website. We have like a new kind of like spotlight section where we get to spotlight to the shows from the network. I think this week it's our show and the deluxe files. Yeah. So check out those back catalogs. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, you know what? I want to make this announcement here. That way we don't have to make it anywhere else. Uh, Sunday morning hangover cure is done. Hell yeah. Uh, weird. 
Well, because you guys, you're excited. I know you're excited for the rest of the. Well, yeah. Well, and also because because I because you guys were talking about this and you spoke about it on the show, but like it is it is fucking miserable to do that, and I feel like a lot of our audience already is like pretty savvy to like what is happening right now because the perfect time to stop doing it. Yeah, yeah, because everybody's just glued to their phones constantly, and I don't know if we need to be reminding everybody of how terrible things Um, are constantly. However, Eric and I, who just, we gotta figure out a way to do a podcast together. there is a secret podcast we used to I used to do with Eric on the network. You gotta be savvy enough it's to like, find it. It's like okay, so so Sunday morning hangover cure was like the major cast's Roseanne, but neither of you are ruled, mm. neither of you are racists. And now it's gonna be coming back with the sequel, our or your no, no Zan. I I hate this. Except except the thing that you're cutting out is the hell news. No, nope, we're but I'm keep it all out, the friendship. I'm cutting out this description, <laughs> <laughs> which sucks because that joke was funny. Uh, no, so we still want to do a podcast together. So we are changing it up and with the help of our good buddy tom here we're starting a new show called we are experts yeah uh it will be much sillier it will have nothing to do with current events it will it will be happy and fun and we and you'll get to hear us three boys giggling at each other it's it's gonna be it's just gonna be goofs yeah uh also um musty tv is revamping to musty tv prestige where josh and i will be reviewing episode by episode of very real super real mm-hmm. television shows that are very you put the real. uh special announcement out this week i believe i put it out today when yeah. i'm recording it but it's not today now what whoa um anyways that's it that's it sorry this episode was a bummer but hey, so is everything else the world is on fire we love you as always we'll be there for you Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.